Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Good morning, take over church. How are we doing? Good morning. Good morning. What? Good, man. I, I, I had no idea what she was saying. That <laughs> threw, threw me out there. said, dude does. I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah, good morning. How was that time of worship? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Is anybody else just leaving here today? I am a lover of your presence. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I don't want to love anything else. Like, let's just go. We can stay in that moment the entire day and accomplish whatever God came to accomplish this morning. Amen. Well, this morning, as uh, amazing Pastor Scott and Jody, whoosh, Jody just breathed a new life in the service. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you are awesome up here. What's up? That's not working. That's not working. Everybody makes the most of my man. My in laws in the back going, he doesn't need a microphone. He yeah. has one volume. It's too loud. Uh, fantastic. Well, thanks, Dave. You the man. You the man with the plan. And uh, yeah, bro, that was, oh, that worship itself sounded incredible today. Like, oh my goodness. Yes, so this morning we are continuing our series, Dunamis. Who's ready for the Word of God today? Yeah. Come on, somebody. If you weren't with us last week when we kicked off this brand new message series, roll back, have a, have a listen, have a watch, have a think, have a ponder, uh, have a pray, give the Lord, but check that out because I want to tell you before we dig into anything, dynamis is a really weird word, it's a fun word, and it's a word that you have probably never heard besides last week in your life, unless you took some sort of like Greek class in the Bible college, or potentially, you know, I don't know, world studies, but anyways, so Greek, what kind of Bible you got now, okay, or you're being all super saint and stuff, calm down, super saint. Anyway, so Alice, that's just totally showed me up. <laughs> so dynamis is a Greek word, and so anytime in the Bible that you read the word power, God's power, anytime you read that, it is actually this Greek word, dynamis, and dynamis' literal definition is, are you ready for this? Ready. It's not just simply God's power, probably, potentially, and 100% absolutely more important than just simply being God's power. It is God's ability. It is God's ability. The Greek dynamis, what this literally means is God's ability. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page going forward in this service. Yes. Sound good? Yes. All right. Y'all got your notes ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. title of my message this morning, if you are taking notes, is dynamis and division. Dynamis and division. Give you a second to write that down. If you got your Bibles, feel free to open up to the book of Luke. Coming out of Luke 11, 14 through 23. It'll be up on the Sky Bible in case you do not have one. But y'all ready for the Word of God? Yes. Now, he was casting out a demon that was mute. The end. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others to test him kept saying from kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, "Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and a divided house household falls." 
And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judge. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he was entrusted and divides his spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Bet you didn't see that coming. All right, let's pray and let's get into it. Sound good? Yes. Fantastic. Father God, this morning, right now, have your way. Yes. Right now, have your way. Holy Spirit, continue to rule and reign in this space. God, we are not making room. You own the room. God, here at Takeover Church, just come and do whatever it is you see fit to do. Right now, we just recognize that your word is a double-edged sword capable of piercing between bone and marrow. God, change us today how you see fit. Make us look more like you, God. Whatever it is that's farthest from you within us still, God, clean it up. Make it pure. Make us look more like Jesus as we leave here today. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Dunamis and division. Dunamis and division. I love this piece of scripture. I do. I love it because here again we see Jesus and he is talking to his disciples and really... This is all based around continuing off the thought of last week. We're talking about being clothed in dunamis. So here in this portion of scripture, we are going to see, it's my hope today, that we leave here understanding what it looks like and what it should look like for a believer, for a son, for a daughter of the Most High Christ, someone who would confess and say that they are a Christian. It is my goal here today that we leave here understanding what it looks like to be clothed in God's ability, to be cloaked in God's power, to be dripped in dunamis. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. So here, dunamis and division. Dunamis and Division. I love this portion of Scripture. And in this moment of Scripture, we are literally seeing Jesus himself physically, tangibly, in person, show his disciples how to cast out a demon. So welcome to Demonology 101 today. I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's later. But here we see this moment. We see this moment where Jesus goes to cast out out this demon and it says that the demon is mute that the demon is causing this person to be mute to not be able to speak to rendering him silent to rendering him benign and honest to god as i was preparing this message this this is kind of a bit of a a, a bunny show here but as i was preparing this message i just felt like a very simple word for our church for our season for where we are we kind of have to get this on the inside of us a little bit that there are some things in our lives that will try to keep us silent there are things in our lives that we have begun to entertain sometimes where you begin to feel like you know I can't lift up a prayer. You know, I can't speak that word over my life. You know, I want to believe this, but right now I'm having literally the hardest time uttering God's truth over my life. I can't prophesy. I can't speak in tongues. I can't pray. I can't ask somebody else to pray. I am so desolate on the inside and destitute on the outside that I cannot even begin to speak. And I don't find it by happenstance. 
that this moment in Scripture as Jesus showing his disciples what it looks like to cast out a demon, a spirit over somebody's life that has kept them silent. Friends, make no bones about it. If the enemy can keep you silent, he can take away your ability to speak. And if he can take away your ability to speak, he can take away your ability to walk in your dynamics, God-given power and ability. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And there are some things in our lives that a lot of us have started to entertain, that we have welcomed into our homes, that we have allowed to be in our lives and our sphere of influence, that we may not even realize that it's influencing us, but suddenly we find ourselves in a season where we can't lift up the promises of God, where we can't lift up a shout of praise, where we can't even begin to recognize His love and His favor and grace over our lives. Friends, if that is us, then we got to begin to call these things what it is. And that is an influence, that is a specter, that is a spirit, that is a demon, that is some influence from the outside because God's purpose for His kingdom and for His children, you and me, is that we would speak with dunamis authority, yeah. God's ability. And when we do that, life comes. When we do that, death has to go. Life and death are in the power of the tongues and those who use it will reap of its fruit is what our Bible says. Yeah. I believe today that we're going to get some people right now, right now, underneath the weight of the name Jesus. If that's you, and you feel like you haven't been able to lift up the promise of God over your life, you haven't been able to repeat scripture over your life, if you feel like your relationship with Him has gone one-sided and silent on the other end, would you shoot your hand up? No shame. Shoot your hand up right now. Shoot your hand up. Yes, in the hand. There's hands. Come on, people. I know there's more. There we go. There we go. Right now, underneath the mighty name of Jesus. I believe for whatever authority that is, whatever stronghold your life has been open to, it crumbles right now yeah. underneath the one name, not Matt's name, not your name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus. I believe that we're going to leave here today with our mouths open and the ability to open the mouths of those who are held captive and silent. Does that sound good? Yeah. Friends, here is a moment in Scripture where Jesus is literally, tangibly, physically showing his disciples how to cast out a demon. This is crazy, right? This is crazy. It's not every day that you and me, we see at least, we would probably do actually, we probably see a lot of demons that we just don't recognize. But this is a moment where there's a very clear disturbance in the force going on. And Jesus, surrounded by Pharisees, surrounded by other doubters, and surrounded by his disciples, he is showing them literally how to cast out a demon and what this looks like, friends. And all of a sudden, you see the Pharisees, and they start going, Psh, he's not the Messiah. He might be a prophet. He might be um, John the Baptist come back, which timeline does he make sense? Those prophets, those Pharisees are dumb. Uh, he might be Elijah. <sighs> Literally a thing that they said. What even make sense? But they start casting all of those doubt, and then some Pharisees speak up and they go, Well, maybe he's you know, maybe he's a demon. Maybe he's a demon, casting out another demon. No, I think he's a non gazable prince of demons. Start throwing out huge names like that. And all of a sudden you see those more people around him. Maybe his disciples, maybe it's people who are trying to trick him, get him to perform some magic tricks. And they're trying to get him to do more acts of heaven, it says, which is absolutely the appropriate way of calling deliverance is an act of heaven. Okay? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. 
But Jesus, the word says, knowing their hearts. He says this phrase, but before we get to that phrase, clearly there is a bunch of confusion happening in this moment, isn't there? There's a lot of confusion that is happening. Some people are saying he's this. Some people are saying he's that. There's a lot of talk around the town. There's a lot of words being thrown around, a lot of slander, a lot of gossip. And it's all right there happening. There's a lot of confusion. Friends, can I just tell you today that confusion is the breeding ground for dysfunction? Confusion? Is the breeding ground for dysfunction? Like confusion will always manifest in dysfunction, and then dysfunction will always manifest in defeat. Confusion will always lead to dysfunction, and dysfunction will always lead to being defeated. Friends, I believe that is because. What Jesus says next is absolutely astounding and absolutely incredible and something we need to leave here with today, understanding. He says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Yeah. And then he goes on to take it another step further. We'll get to why it's another step further. But he says, a house divided against itself will fall. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, and a house divided against itself will not fall. Now, this is something that we're all pretty familiar with, right? Would you agree? We've probably heard this phrase. Maybe yeah. you said it, you heard it in school, or you heard it in some youth ministry growing up, or Awana's, like, I want to leave here. Like, you maybe heard this at some other point in time. You know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. But you may have heard this before, it's so much so that maybe you were in a public school because this is something the world has now taken on. The world has ripped this from Jesus. They have stolen this from Jesus. They have taken this from Jesus. And the world itself at large already acknowledges this as well. Look at the political scheme. Look at the world that we live in. People are understanding this. That a house divided cannot stand. A kingdom divided will not remain. Like this is something that every corner of the earth understands, recognizes, and is shouting at large right now. Kids are having a riot. Yeah. <laughs> but what's, in, what's incredible to me is as much as Maybe the church and the world have recognized this as facts. I think that we fail to recognize. I think we fail to recognize. The brevity, the ramifications, the consequences of dysfunction. I think we fail to recognize the severity of division. Confusion will lead to dysfunction, and dysfunction will manifest in division. And we will fail to recognize that time and time again. And I wonder what that means. Because here's Jesus, right? Like, what does that look like for our lives? I believe if we get this today, we will leave here walking 
in such great, dynamic, God-given power and ability if we can just nail down this sentence that Jesus says. Because I look, let's start with the kingdom. I look at the kingdom, right? I look at the kingdom. And kingdom, man, the kingdom doesn't operate in division, does it? Kingdom of God doesn't operate in division. Does it? it doesn't thrive in division. It doesn't go forward in division. It doesn't make moves in division. It doesn't make converts in division. It does not go forth and proceed in the mission and cause of Christ in the earth in division. But we also recognize, we also recognize, y'all ready for this? We're going to be slow rolling this one. But we also recognize that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's undefeated. The kingdom of God cannot be overthrown. The kingdom of God cannot be undertaken. The kingdom of God cannot be taken down. The kingdom of God will never fall to the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God will never be laid to waste. Jesus himself says, a kingdom divided will be laid to waste. But we know, we know that we know that we know throughout Scripture, the kingdom of God will never be laid to waste. So what is Jesus saying here? Friends, there is a dynamic ability that cannot be birthed in this world through division. There is a dynamic power that can never come via division. So Jesus, he said, the kingdom divided against itself will be laid to waste. But we know, as Christians, the kingdom of God is undefeated, cannot be defeated. So often, I look around and I'm talking to Christians, obviously. I'm talking to Christians and I see defeat and I see disenfranchised and I see disillusion and I see discontentment and I see a spirit of being defeated and I see people's lives being laid to waste. I see Christians being laid to waste. I see Christians who would claim to be a part of the kingdom of God, yet their lives, their spirituality, their hope, their faith, their lives as a whole are being laid to waste. And often I pause and I have to ask myself and evaluate myself. If I am building the kingdom of God that is undefeated, then how am I being laid to waste? Friends, could it be this morning that so often in our lives, while we claim to be building the kingdom of God, instead we are building a kingdom of our thoughts on God? Could it be this morning? Our lives are destitute. Our lives are being laid to waste. We are disillusioned with everything that's going on. Could it be that we are claiming from the rooftops, we are here to build your kingdom, God? And yet we are just being destroyed. Could it be that we are building the kingdom of God based on God's thoughts on God? But we're attempting to build the kingdom of God based on our thoughts about God? 
Could it be the reason we're being laid to waste is that we quit at some point building his kingdom the way he says to build it, the way he says to live it, the way he says he designed it? Is it possible that the reason we have so much confusion, dysfunction, and division happening within our own lives is because at some point along the journey with Jesus, we stopped building the kingdom of God based on God's thoughts on God. And we started building the kingdom of God based on our thoughts on God. Could it be? Am I preaching anybody this morning? Yeah. Could it be? Because he's undefeated. The kingdom of God is undefeated. I am suffering defeat, catching L's left and right. I have got dysfunction and division manifesting in my life. Friends, if we are having dysfunction and division manifesting in our lives, then potentially I would dare say that we at some point, we got off the track of building God's kingdom based on who God says he is. And we started building our kingdom based on who we think God is. He's undefeated. Yet I've got more losses on the scoreboard than I do wins. What could that mean? Kingdom divided against itself will be laid to waste. What have I been believing about God that God doesn't believe about Himself? What have I been believing about God that God doesn't believe about Himself? What have I been believing about God that God does not believe about himself? What division in my life have I been creating? What space of division have I been occupying? If there is a certain level of dynamic God-given ability that only comes way, by the way of unity, what have I been believing about God that God doesn't even believe about himself? I mean, what's a... What's a greater definition for division today? What's a greater definition for division today than actively believing something about God that God doesn't believe about himself? What's a greater device? What's greater division? What could literally define that more? Division is when we believe things about God and we build up things about God that God has never said and never believed about himself. This is division. This will be laid to waste. This will lead us. So many of us, man, God can heal, but he can't heal me. Division. Well, God used to heal back then, but he doesn't heal now. Division. Oh, God can rescue their sexuality, but not mine. Division. Oh, God can rescue their marriage, but not mine. Division. Oh, God can speak through him, but not through her. Division. So many of us, we are living lives of call of God, and we are being defeated, catching out and being laid to waste. We are in a spiritually bankrupt generation because we have built a kingdom of God based on thoughts of God that he does not have about himself.
We good? Could it be? Could it be that the reason we are experiencing these things and this is what life looks like is because we have not resigned ourselves and resolved within ourselves what God in His Word and through His Holy Spirit has been trying to tell us about Himself? What kingdom have I started building in Matt McClure's life, what is it that Matt McClure does not believe about God? I love what Jesus actually follows it up with next. I think what Jesus does here is he actually brings it back home because he says, a house, a house divided against itself will fall. A house divided against itself will fall. Jesus is saying two different things here, friends. Kingdom, house. And when I think of house, I think of you and me. Think about you and me. You see, we are now the dwelling place for God. We are now the home for the Holy Spirit. Friends, you and me, we are the new tabernacle. Can we just stay there for a second? I feel like that's a word for our church. I feel like that's a word for the church at large. But for specifically Takeover Church Grand Rapids 2021, it is our resolve, it is our mandate, it is our cause, and our crusade, and our conviction with Christ that we will be a people recognized as a new tabernacle. We're going to host the presence of God. We're going to house the Holy Spirit. We're going to take God at His word. We are the new tabernacle. You are a vessel for the Holy Spirit. What well, once had to be a place where only holy men could dwell, or else they would be set ablaze by the presence of God. You and me are now the new tabernacle. Amen? But Jesus, he says, house divided against itself will fall. Will fall. And so if a kingdom divided, if division in the kingdom divided, it's when we begin to build a kingdom of God based off things that God does not believe about himself, but about what we believe about God, then what causes a home to fall? Could it be this morning that a reason that you and I are experiencing such pushback such division, in need of such deliverance and healing in our lives. Could it be that we have begun to make a home based off thoughts on ourselves that God does not have about ourselves? Could it be we have begun to construct a home, make a life here, build something within ourselves right here. We have begun to construct this thing that's supposed to be a tabernacle, the housing unit, the vessel for the Holy Spirit. We are a sister for God in the earth. And yet, 
so often we are defeated. Could it be that we have designed our homes based off thoughts on ourselves that God does not have about ourselves? Could it be that we have constructed homes based on a design that we have for ourselves that God does not have for ourselves? Could it be? Because here's one of the things I think about. Here are one of the things I think about. I have seen so many Christians, so many Christians, myself included. I've seen so many Christians that we have talked ourselves. Hear me. We have talked ourselves. We have self-evaluated. We have tried to get so self-aware about a situation, about something that God has done. We are such silly little creatures that we have actually talked ourselves out of physical, literal, tangible miracles that have happened in our lives. I have seen people self-talk themselves out of their healing. They just had to go home and think about it. They just had to get with some spiritual leaders and talk it through. They could not just accept the miraculous thing that God said about them that they don't necessarily believe about themselves. Instead, we have left here and we have gone and we have self-evaluated. And it was out of that self-talk that we had talked ourselves out of that moment where the dynamic power and ability of God struck through the stratosphere and healed our bodies. He has given us a word of knowledge. He gave us a vision. And things have not come to pass. They did not go the way we saw them going. We received the word and there was a quote-unquote glitch in the matrix. But the glitch of the matrix is because we left that space in that place with God and we began to evaluate and believe things about ourselves that God does not believe about ourselves. That, friends, is division. That is not occupying unity. That is occupying division. Unity always brings God's ability. Amen? Unity always brings God's ability. Amen? Unity always brings God's ability. Yeah. Friends, has anybody ever left a self-talk? I just need to go and understand myself. I just need to take a long, hard look at myself. I just need to go look in the mirror and understand me better. I need to go and self-evaluate. Has anybody ever looked on the inside of themselves and walked away with more faith? Has anybody actually ever left self-evaluation and believed that their marriage could be restored? Has anybody ever actually left self-evaluation and thought, man, I can go and heal the masses? Has anybody left self-evaluation and thought, you know what, I could go and deliver somebody from demonic oppression? Has anybody ever left self-evaluation and thought they were worthy at all of the call of God on their lives? I've never looked in the proverbial mirror and left with more faith. I don't need to know more about me. The more I know about me, the more divided I am. I don't need to know more about Matt McClure. I don't need to look inside. I don't need to figure out how I work. I don't need answers to the question of what I do, I don't do, what I want to do, I don't do. Neither did Paul in that scripture.
scripture, that's what he's saying. We don't need the answer to this. I don't need to go and search Matt to find Matt. I need to go and search God to find Matt. I need to go and learn about God to find that. I need to go and evaluate God to find that. Friends, I don't need an Enneagram with a wing on it to tell me and to loop down what I am to understand what I am. I don't need some fallen man-made system and device designed to help me understand my fallen nature better. I need God. I need God. Friends, you and I, we are made. We are made in the image of God. Do you understand what that means? With his image becomes access to his power. With his image comes access to his ability. With his image comes access to his assurance, his godly sovereignty, full-on self-assurance that he is who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, then I am certainly who he says I am. But I begin to build a home. I begin to fall apart. I begin to fall the second I step out of who God says I am. And I start believing what everybody else and everything else is telling me that I am. Including myself. Friends. I would understand if you were made in the image of yourself. The need for an Enneagram test or personality test. I would understand the need if you were made in the image and likeness of your parents, to have some self-evaluation, self-discovery go on. I would understand that. But you weren't made in your own image. You weren't made in your parents' image. You were made in the image of God in heavens, Lord above the earth and below. You were made fearfully and wonderfully. What that means is, is that you were made with such respect awe, reverence, and awestruck wonder. God put so much time and planning and perfection into designing who you were made to be. That you were created in His own image. But we have begun to build a life and build a home based off fallen constructs and fallen understandings of what a man or a woman is based on other fallen men and women trying to tell you. Friends, today I want to declare to you a kingdom divided cannot stand, but a kingdom united will reign supreme. A house divided will fall but a house united, that's the light of the world. Friends, what you and I, what we are in desperate need of isn't greater self-evaluation. It's greater, it's greater understanding of who God is. Because when I know who God is, I will know who I am. I'm made in His image. Yeah. He knit me together. So many of us, we have lived lives on the corner at the crossroads of a street called dynamis and division. Both are adequately available to you, readily available to you. Both are a reality of which we can exist in, but we have got to decide how are we going to build the kingdom and how are we going to build our home? How are we going to build the kingdom? How are we going to build our home? Friends, today... 
I feel like some of us are in desperate need of leaving the house of God with the understanding the truest thing about you is God. The truest thing about baby Noah and the back shall be down is God. The truest thing about you Someone who's struggling with adultery is God. The truest thing about you, someone with substance abuse issues, is God. The truest thing about you, person who's hungry for more of God, is God. The truest part about us today, they are not your flaws. They are not your history. They are not your four with a wing on a seven because somewhere in there you're a challenger in the middle of the night. It is not that. I know it's something like I'm going hard on, but that's great for the world, but don't think that you can dilute the image of God down into ten sections. He's bigger than that, and so are you. Right. Friends, if we are not occupying unity, then we are living from division. Can I ask you a couple questions today? Would that be alright? What do you have access to that you have believed yourself out of? What do you have access to that you have believed yourself out of? What power what wonder-working power. We are all Christians. You know what that means? It means we have a specific assignment and we got a general assignment. And everybody's general assignment is to go, make disciples, deliver people, bring healing, take care of the widows and the poor, and spread the news of Jesus. But friends, you're not beautiful enough to accomplish that. You're not strong enough to fulfill that. You're not smart enough to fulfill that. I'm not brave enough to fulfill that. My shoulders aren't big enough to fulfill the call of God of the Christian in this earth, we have got to be clothed in dunamis, godly power and ability. But so many of us, we never see a calling come about. We never see the word come to fruition. We never see our lives end up being and ending in that place that God says you were supposed to because we have been, we have begun be building a kingdom of God based off our thoughts on God, not God's thoughts on himself. We have begun building our home, who and what we are, based on our perception of ourselves rather than God's perception of ourselves. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Dynamics can only come via unity. If you are not united in Christ, 
You see, Jesus is pretty incredible. He, he says in this moment, later on towards the end, because they start saying, you know, Pharisees start saying, well, you know, maybe he's a demon. And he goes, well, a demon can't cast out another demon. That sentence stuck with me. And I started thinking about that. What is Jesus being a demon? Can't cast out another demon. Well, a demon can't cast out another demon because if Satan was working against himself, his, his kingdom would surely fall. But what can cast out a demon? The sons and the daughters of the Most High God. You see, there's something about a son and a daughter of God. They know their father. They've been raised by their father. They've been around their father. They've seen their father do the work. They've seen the father do the talk. They've seen him speak. They've done what he said. They were raised up in the family business. They've learned their father's trade and they've learned it well so that they can take over. Heck, they even look like their father because they are clothed in some hand-me-downs from their father. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Do you see where this is going? Friends, sons and daughters, they believe their father and they know their father. They don't have individualized perceptions of who their dad is. They have actual relationship with their dad and they know him based on who he is who he says he is. They know him based off who, what he is and what he can do. These are sons and these are daughters. And this is what it looks like. I wonder this morning, do we believe God is who he says he is? God says he can heal. God believes he can heal. Do you believe that? God believes he can raise the dead to life. Do you believe that? Shoot, we'll take it up another notch. God believes that you can heal and you can raise the dead to life. Do you believe that? Or are we going to continue to lead, lead and live lives divided and apart from what God has said about us? Or are we going to live lives united in Christ Believing God is who He says He is and what He has spoken over us. You are a son. You are a daughter. The truest thing about you is God. And it's your eyes. It's not your skin color. It's not your hair. It's not your history. It's not your nationality. It's not what part of Pangea you came from. It is God. And Jesus, He goes on to say, Worship team, you can make a way. He goes on to say, He says, You are either with me or you are against me. You are either with me or you are against me. Being with God, first and foremost, is believing in God. 
being with God is first and foremost believing God. It's undeniable. He is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. He, he is everything that He has ever expressed. And He says, you're either with me or against me. Friends, could I, could I challenge us a bit this morning, maybe give us a little heed of a warning that we have actually, we all actually have some beliefs about God that have actually worked against God. He says, you're either with me or you are against me. Are you with me in healing? Are you with me in prophecy? Are you with me in the fact that I want to see Jesus take over people's lives? Are you with me? Will you lay down your life? Present yourself a living sacrifice? Will you give what I've said to give? Will you talk to those I said to talk to? Will you go where I'm telling you to go? What is it that you believe about me? And what is it that you believe about me that is actually against me? I don't need self-evaluation for that. I need to search my father. I need to evaluate my dad. I need to search him so far that I find out who I am and who he is and I
challenge, we want to scatter, we want to run. It's when something seems too good to be true, we're trepidatious about it. And so we scatter and we run. As human beings in our fallen nature, we are so used to scattering from what is either going to harm us or actually love us that we don't know which is which sometimes and we just run. But Jesus said, gather with me, don't scatter apart from me. And then I think about gathering in your general call in your life as a Christian. Are you gathering with Jesus? And by that I mean this. Are you gathering people around who Jesus says he is? Or are you gathering people around who you say Jesus is? Well, that changes the whole conversation, doesn't it? Are you gathering people around your fallen understanding? Maybe you grew up in a, a different kind of background, a different kind of church. Maybe it was reformed, maybe it was Baptist, maybe it was Methodist, and they worship and believe this way, and they worship and believe this way, and our doctrine was this, and our statement was this. Are you gathering people around a mission statement, a doctrine, and a people group with ideas around who they think Jesus is? Victory is an 
Let's look to him. Let's 